All right, we're back in Ephesians chapter 5 today. Um, significant milestone in my household yesterday. I no longer have children. Um, I have my last teenager. Um, Jacob turned 13. So the little kid era is gone, um, and the craziness begins. Um, but we're, we're excited about that. Got rid of Nathan. Um, so he's not eating us out of house and home now. He's doing that on the school's dime. But uh, now Jacob is coming into his own with that. So um, we covered a lot of ground last week. I'm not sure what you retained or what you got out of that. Um, there were several different points. We were kind of going along with Paul and chasing some rabbits uh, here and there. Um, So I want to hit back on kind of the last point of what we talked about, because I think it's real important for in and of itself, uh, and especially for what we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead. So Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't have one of these and you're uh, brand new with us and you would like one, there's a few more back on the little little cart back there, and there's also some copies of Scripture uh, the whole Bible as well, so and some pens if you need any of that stuff during our time. We're going to be in chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's where we're going to kind of camp out this week, just on that one verse, because it is crucial. We said last week that that verse, um, scholars don't know exactly what to do with it. Does it go with this passage that we just read? Does it go with the next passage? Is it kind of like we just don't know, so we're going to put it by itself? All of the above are correct because it's in, uh, it's flowing out of this passage and it's flowing into the next one where basically what Paul is doing, he's giving us some household codes as they're known, uh, ways that we live out um, the scripture uh, in submission uh, with one another and, and some specific relationships. First one is husbands and wives, and we'll get, up, get to that next week. Uh, the next one is uh, children and parents, and Josh is going to do that in a couple of weeks, so you make sure you're here for that. Uh, a lot of experience there, so um, be sure and, and be here for that. And then Brandon's going to do the following one, uh, slaves and masters, and we're going to talk about it in the context of how we uh, are uh, workers uh, and, and employees and and that kind of stuff. So that's where we're headed. And all, so all of this that we'll talk about today is kind of precursor to those three sermons, those three studies that we'll do. Um, but it's really key to the, the whole scripture, what we've been talking about and what we're going to talk about. Paul, uh, this is uh, just one of his big points uh, in, in scripture, how we relate to one another in submission. So we saw that there was a command um, to walk carefully, and out of that command, um, there were three ways that that was kind of manifest, uh, to make wise decisions, to know what God wants, and to be full of the Holy Spirit. 
And then we took a deeper dive into what it meant to be full of the Holy Spirit. And we said, when we're filled with the Spirit, we want to worship together. We want to be together as God's children to, to worship Him uh, with one another. We become more thankful people. That, that becomes easier for us. Uh, and so I'm going to keep doing that, that we did uh, at the beginning. So I want it to become easier for us to do it together as part of our worship, to, to start with Thanksgiving. So uh, that should be on your lips, should be on your heart when you come. Uh, so uh, homework for, for next week. And we submit to one another. And so that's where we need to spend a little bit more time because I feel like that we um, just kind of, we covered so much that, that we may have missed some things there. Um, the, the drinking stuff, uh, I ended up at a uh, tailgate uh, Thursday night and had to think back to my sermon uh, when people are handing me multiple Bud Lights. Uh, like, what, what, what's going on here? Because uh, <laughs> I don't drink uh, hardly ever. And, and so, but I was around some people that uh, definitely were. So I uh, had to think about what's, what, uh, what scripture applies here and how to, to do that which we talked about. Uh, also tried to be thankful this week. Uh, some tough days, and it uh, seems like that, that the Lord was able to remind me. I hope that he was able to do this for you in the midst of some difficulty, that, um, that there can be thanksgiving in, even in the midst of uh, hard things. And so kind of going back to that is real helpful to draw us out of those uh, dark places. We all need that. Um, our, our application to all this from last week, it was to receive the Holy Spirit, to make a conscious decision, uh, whether it's uh, at a tailgate or in, at home with our kids or in a difficult uh, situation, to, uh, to open our hearts and minds to what the Holy Spirit has for us, what, what he wants to do in us, what he wants to do through us. Just constantly be thinking about how can I receive more of the Spirit? I need more of the Spirit. That's where my power as a believer in Jesus comes from. And so uh, we have to be engaged in that. It's not just a passive experience. We have to be ready to receive. And then with that, sometimes we have to repent. We have to turn away from anything or any uh, situation that we occasionally or we repeatedly hand over control uh, of our life to. And, and so in the midst of doing that, before we do it, uh, certainly after we do it, that we're, we're we're conscious of this, and we, we say, no, that's not the way that God wants for me, and I'm going to turn away from that. I'm going to repent, go the different direction. Make worshiping together a priority every week. Be thankful for something every day. His mercies are new each morning. And then submission, uh, just letting that word kind of rest on us and move us to some action. And I'm just wondering if that was the, the place where maybe we didn't get enough of that. And so I, didn't, I was going to have to do it anyway as part of uh, going into a, a husbands and wives study uh, because of what, how that applies in that area. So I thought we'd just do this Sunday uh, on submission because it can apply everywhere. So if we will get this concept down, uh, at least get it down to the, to the extent that we are conscious of it more so and trying to live out of it more, then it will have huge implications uh, and benefits 
to how we live our lives with one another, how we do church with one another, how we uh, do life together uh, as friends, how we do uh, life together as husbands and wives, how we do life together as families, uh, how we do life together as uh, employers and employees. And so uh, it's far-reaching, this idea of submission for the believer. Now, it's a foreign concept to uh, anyone outside of Jesus in the way that we understand it. I mean, and even us, uh, it's probably a word that that we have trouble with, uh, and we probably think more in terms of this, like uh, submission hold uh, for all you wrestling fans. Uh, and I don't know this, who this is. Is that, is that John Cena or Rowdy Roddy Piper or Hacksaw Dugan? I don't know. Um, I'm not a wrestling fan. I just remember those from my kids, uh, my, from being a kid and watching some of it um, with my dad. But uh, th- that's kind of what I think of when I just hear the word submit. Like I'm being forced to do something. I'm being forced into a situation where I just have to say uncle, you know, and just like calling out to the, to the re- referee or the umpire, whatever he is. And, and what's that, that guy? Is, he's like, he knows the camera. He's supposed to be looking at the, the guys, right? He's like smiling for the camera, the ref. I don't get it. Okay. Uh, I thought that was weird. Um, Sorry. Um, so submission, as we understand it from Scripture, is not this at all. It's not a negative thing. It's not how God wants us to see it. In fact, it comes from the military. Uh, in, in biblical terminology, it means to arrange ourselves under. It's like putting yourself under an officer. So if uh, if you were to go and sign up to be in the military, that'd be a voluntary thing at this point. We're not uh, in, in the draft. There, nobody's making you sign up. Uh, you would be saying, I am willingly going to go through six weeks or whatever it is, a boot camp, and be tortured and be yelled at and be disciplined in a way that I probably have never been in my entire life. But remember, I signed up for that. I willingly put myself under that to be part of something bigger to be part of a greater good, uh, something more than just myself. I've given up control to that bigger thing and how it operates. Uh, I'm giving up the right to make decisions. They're going to tell me when to eat, what to eat, when to go to the bathroom. They're gonna tell me when to wake up and when to go to sleep and how everything in my life is supposed to look. I'm giving up that control to make those decisions for myself because I see a greater good in it. And so I'm thinking outside of myself when I sign up for that. And I'm I'm turning that over to other people. Uh, Look what Paul says to the church in Philippi. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, and that's what we're talking about is how can we be more full of the spirit? So if, if, we, if there's anything in us that wants more of the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul says, by being of the same mind, he's talking to the church, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He doesn't mean with him, he's, he, that's part of it. He means with each other, with the church. Do nothing from selfish ambition, Nothing, not try to do some things selflessly, 
He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. In Romans chapter 15, he said this, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. So if Jesus didn't do it, as our example, as the one that we follow, um, we have no right to, to please ourselves. We, we have given up control to him. As Christians, we're called to live in mutual submission. And without that submission, we can't ever be who, we've crea- who, who we were created to be. It's impossible. We'll never have true biblical community. Uh, that's part of something that, you know, we think is, is important around here. We'll never have that if we don't understand and live out mutual submission. And that applies to all of us. This isn't about uh, some of you need to submit to some others in this. This is everyone needs to submit to everyone else. And that's important. Paul wrote this to the Galatians. For you were called to freedom, brothers, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. It's the idea of being a bond servant, that you have uh, put yourself in the service of another person. We're called to be those kind of servants to one another. Uh, Not because we have to, because we're being made to, other than uh, the, the compelling love of Christ making us do that. Uh, but we are freely and willingly putting ourselves in the service of one another to put ourselves, to put someone else's needs above our own. And that just doesn't make any sense in our world. That's not how the rest of the world operates. That's not how we're taught that we get ahead. And so everything about this is countercultural. We have to force ourselves to think differently. This is the transformation of our minds. And the enemy of submission is our own self-centeredness. The enemy of submission, of getting this right, is how drastically and terribly self-centered we are. That's what comes natural. C.S. Lewis said this, there is no fault which we, with which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. We don't get how self-centered we are most of the time. We're just not capable of it. And yet, we hate it in other people. And it's because we don't get it in ourselves that we don't like it in other people because when other people are self-centered, we can't be self-centered. There's, there's a conflict. And we're definitely going to see this next week when we talk about husbands and wives and marriage. And you know full well, if you're married, uh, that what I'm talking about. Uh, we are two independent people, whether it's in friendship, uh, relationship as brothers and sisters in the church, marriage, kids and parents, we have in our mind how things are supposed to go. And if they don't go that way, then it's somebody else's fault. That's where we usually go to because we're self-centered. And we don't see how 
much that has taken root in our lives. We need each other to, to draw that out of us. And most of our marriages need someone else to step in to help us with that because when the person that we should be allowing to help us out of that says something, we usually just get in a fight about it. And so that's why we have the body, whether it's in friendships uh, or any kind of relationships to help us with that. We need one another uh, to, to step in, to, to point out things. And this is a big one because it is at the center of most of our problems with uh, relationships. Paul said this uh, to the Corinthians, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. I'm pretty sure I've been all of those things in the negative this week. I don't know about you. Um, and yet my intention, the hope and the goal of my life is to reflect the love of Jesus. But I'm so self-centered. And I suspect because you're human and you're breathing that you are too, um, more often than not. Impatience, irritability, ungracious speech, Thoughts about how much better someone else has it. Holding past wrongs or hurts against each other. That's how self-centered manifests itself. And it's the opposite of love. It's the opposite of what Paul's after uh, when he writes to the Corinthians. And here's the, the really big theological idea about this. The quality of submission is at the very nature, at the very heart of the being, the person of God, expressed in the Trinity. We see this mutual submission happening for all eternity, where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are constantly submitting to one another. Uh, who, who said Jesus had to be the one to come down and die for our sins. But why, why was it him? I mean, he could have argued, hey, I'm equal with you guys. I'm not going anywhere. I like it here. Why do I have to go do that? No, he submitted, willingly submitted himself to go, to come to earth, to be made in flesh, and to die on the cross for us. Constant submission with one another in the Trinity. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we try to put ourselves first, if we try to act Contrary to this idea of being submissive to one another, and especially to God, then we're actually violating our very nature as well. So God couldn't do it. He made us in his image. We can't do it and be who we're supposed to be, who we're, who we're created to be. And if we try to do it, we're going to be miserable. And if any of you have lived as a believer a period of rebellion in the midst of that, 
and come to your senses, or maybe, uh, or maybe you're, you're able to, to think this way about your conversion from um, a, a, a life of not following Jesus and then um, being saved and, and following him, that um, there was uh, this, this turmoil inside of you. As a believer uh, in, in college, uh, especially, I, I think back to, not that I haven't been rebellious since then, for sure, but uh, it was, uh, there was some very concrete ways in which I was living apart from the Lord, and I knew it the whole time, and I was masking it, and yet I was, I was miserable, and it wasn't until God brought me to a place of just absolute brokenness and misery that I was able to realize this is not who I am. Right, God? This is not who you made me to be. He, in fact, I, I, I felt like I heard that question from him very clearly. Like, is this, who you, is this who you are, Scott? And I had to answer that. I had to figure out uh, if it was. In my spirit, uh, thankfully, I was able to still draw on uh, the Holy Spirit uh, and hear his voice to say, no, it's, it's not, and I don't want to keep living that way. Um, even if we throw out like all this spiritual uh, language about living uh, for ourselves or not living for ourselves, uh, there's a kind of a general principle in life that, that this just doesn't work. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, even in social life, this is in Mere Christianity chapter 8, I believe. It's a great chapter on uh, selfishness. Uh, he says, even in social life, you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you are making. You know, you know what he's talking about? You ever seen this? Like, just uh, dating, for example, is is pretty awkward if you're just thinking about constantly what kind of impression you're making, and you come across uh, kind of odd uh, in in those settings and not natural. Uh, so, um, we have to think less about ourselves and just be. Even in literature and art, C.S. Lewis says, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without carrying two pence, that's not much, um, how often it has been told before, you will nine times out of ten become original without ever having noticed it. You've got to just be who you're supposed to be. Let that flow, which for us uh, is the Holy Spirit flowing through us and living out in us. Uh, and, and then we will be the, the unique creation that God made in you. But if we're worried about one another, uh, what, what impression that we're making on each other, then we're going to mess that up. We're, we're not going to come across as genuine in who we really are. We're missing that uh, soul talk with one another, that connection. He goes on to say, this principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. We have to release ourselves in order to truly find ourselves. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. 
And he died for all, that those who live might, not, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We do not have the right to live for ourselves in Christ. We live for him. That's who we were created to be. We've got to get that answered. We've got to get these big, like, uh, monumental things in place in order to live out the daily, everyday stuff of life, whether it's uh, in relationships with each other in the church, as uh, husbands and wives, um, parents and kids, uh, employers and employees, friends. We, we just, we're going to mess it up if we don't have these things in place, knowing who we are in Christ. And that's what uh, Paul spent the first three chapters of Ephesians trying to get across to us. So if you've forgotten that, um, go back and, and look at that and meditate on it because uh, it's rich and it's deep and it is life-changing for how you see yourself in this world. It's why Jesus says uh, what he says in Matthew 22 about the whole teaching of Scripture being able to be summed up in the fact that we are here to love God and to love other people, basically. When we are in relationship with each other, no matter what the relationship is, uh, we've got basically three options. We can either serve one another with joy as believers. We can serve one another but resent having to do it. And we may be able to really fake it and be good at it uh, in that category. Or we may enjoy doing it and letting the other person know that we don't like it. Maybe good at either one of those extremes. The third option is that we just insist that the other person serves us and, uh, and kind of live that way. Which one is it going to be? Um, we, we're going to encounter that over and over again this week. Opportunities to serve one another in joy, in resentment, or just to kind of say, hey, you should really be serving me. You should really be doing this for me. I deserve this. It's out of reverence for Christ, the scripture says, that we do this. Um, and that's a pretty big deal. Another translation may say out of fear of Christ. Fear was a pretty common term in the Old Testament um, in relating to God. It's not the kind of fear that we talk about. And so really the words fear or reverence are not good words here, but we don't really have a word for what the Greek says here uh, that, that truly makes sense. But we know that, that fear in the Old Testament implies that there is a relationship. So if you, you read the different scriptures uh, that, that relate to fear in the Old Testament, you'll see some kind of weird stuff about like, why, why would they be fearing God for that? Or why does God want us to fear him in that way? Doesn't he love us? And, and so, um, it, but it's in the context of relationship that, that that word is used. And it basically means to be overwhelmed and controlled by something. And so that's the meaning that carries forward into the New Testament as Paul talks about it here. And, and, and really being filled with the Spirit and fearing the Lord or having reverence for the Lord are, are really the same thing. So as we think about like wanting to be filled with the Spirit, um, we, we can also think about having that kind of reverence, that fear for the Lord uh, where we're giving over that control to Him. Uh, they're, they're really one and the same. 
And until God places um, that thought and, and it, it takes root in our life, we're going to keep turning back to our self-centeredness. And we're going to keep being disappointed. And we're going to keep being dissatisfied with one another. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. The motivation, the power comes from what we know, what we've experienced in the Lord. And so if you're not able to love, if you're having problems uh, with another person or, or um, uh, in any kind of relationship where you just can't access that, then there's something wrong between you and the Lord that needs to be taken care of. It's not just about that. You can go to all the counselors you want and try to help that relationship. But if you're not going to help the relationship that matters most, then you're never going to have any power to give. And you're never going to be able to receive properly from one another. Servers, you can go ahead and, and get uh, the, the communion as we kind of close out here. I've just got a few th points of application I want to make, and then we're, we're going to worship some more. The first thing that I think we can carry over uh, into this week is that uh, to just be thinking about that, that temptation is going to come, and we need to be ready to resist it. Uh, to resist the temptation to think about what we deserve because that's, that, that just comes natural. That's really easy for us. I deserve this, and so I'm mad about it. Uh, and, and we feel so right in the moment. Resist the temptation to go there at all. We don't deserve anything except hell. That's what we deserve every single one of us. But by the grace of God, that's not what we get because he submitted himself to us. Tim Keller, um, and this is from a marriage book that if you're married or if you're ever thinking about being married or if you want to understand married people and how to help them better, I think every one of us needs to read. It's called The Meaning of Marriage. And so he's talking about it in this context. But he says, to determine to see your own selfishness as a fundamental problem and to treat it more seriously than you do whoever's. Your spouse, whoever you want to put in that blank. Determine to see your own selfishness as the problem, not theirs. Treat it more seriously than you do theirs. So however, whatever level of seriousness you're treating theirs with, treat your own with more seriousness. I think it's a great word for us. Uh, second thing I think we can do this week is, is try to focus on uh, the needs of at least one other person every day and joyfully serve them. Try to find a way to do that. Every day, just who did I serve today, Lord? Who can I serve tomorrow? Who can I serve today when, when I wake up in the morning? What, um, be ready for that. You have an op countless opportunities every day to serve one another. How will you do it this week? Every day, there's so many opportunities. Just one. Just try to do one. And then finally, if you just can't access it, if you just can't do it, then you've got to go back to the well that is Jesus. This, like everything, begins and ends with Jesus. Worship, 
Read your Bible. Be thankful. Get filled with the Spirit of Jesus and let him do it for you and through you. Keller also said this, without the help of the Spirit, without a continual refilling of your soul's tank with the glory and love of the Lord, such submission is virtually impossible to accomplish for any length of time without becoming resentful. Close with this as the band comes and servers come on up here. We've got uh, two stations for you to come. We don't have uh, gluten-free in the middle. It's on both sides. So, um, And we, we take the Lord's Supper as followers of Jesus, and you're all invited to do that. You don't have to be a member of community church. Um, we take it in this context. Uh, the rest of uh, the passage that we read earlier uh, from Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind as you come to the bread and the cup today. Among yourselves, together, collectively, we, we do this together. We're recentered on that idea. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing just to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of what? A servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in that human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, see in God's economy what happens? God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth right now and even under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Let's make that confession as we take the Lord's Supper together. Come and receive.